Hello and welcome to the Cinema Club. I'm your host, Dan Boozer. In this show, it's just a couple of nerds who really love movies. We discuss anything and everything involving movies throughout this year. Today, we'll be discussing the new Star Wars film, Rogue One. Major spoilers for the entire film. I'd like to thank our guests again, uh, Campbell Dunham, Zach Pfeiffer, and Mr. Sterner for joining us. Uh, so with that being said, we're going to dive right in. What did you guys think of the film? Did you like it? Um, yeah, I did like it. I think, I mean, it definitely had some flaws, but as a first standalone, it did some good things, and it kind of hit some points that I'd like it to hit. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. It was one of my favorite Star Wars movies, I would say, definitely. Um, but it, it was very good for what it did, because it served its purpose as being a good spinoff film. Yeah, I think for somebody, if they're going to get into Star Wars but don't know any of the the back history or want to wade through, you know, the rest of the films, this one you could kind of watch just on its own and be able to, to go with, and I think it did a really good job. Yeah. I really enjoyed the film, obviously. Uh, I think it's another great step for the Star Wars franchise with Disney taking over. Um, I think what it did, for in my mind, one of the greatest things this movie does is it really furthers a new hope, I feel like fixes a lot of the issues for the movie. Um, I think the standalones are just going to be a really good direction for Star Wars to head. That's one thing I really liked about this movie is by the end of it, you know what happened. That's one thing I think is really new for Star Wars movies. Um, new Hope, it's kind of over, and then, of course, they brought it back with Empire Strikes Back. But with the exception of those two movies, these are the only two movies that really can truly stand on their own, I feel like, by the end. Um, what did you guys think about the idea of this being the first standalone film in a Star Wars universe? Um, at first I was a little skeptical because, I don't know, it is, it is the first standalone film and you don't really know what to expect. But I feel like it, it will go in a good direction because they're only, like you can only do seven, eight, nine. Are they just gonna keep going or not? Because they should end that trilogy and then there's gonna be a period there that you can't really make any more of those like numbered films, volumes, or episodes, I guess. And that's a good space to put these standalone movies because it still gives us our Star Wars fix, but it still gives us a break from the traditional episodes. Yeah, I, I, I see how this fits into the series, uh, how it kind of like fills all the plot holes. And I feel like that's also something that it falls back on, that it pretty much was like an edit to the original movie to give them some... Uh, like official fill for this plot point and uh, that, that's a big spoiler how they were going to kill the Death Star um, but it, I don't know if I totally like the idea that it, we knew where it was going to end we knew pretty predictable what was going to happen at the end just basically because we knew the rest of the plot line for the next like 20 or 30 years whatever happened so that's where it definitely falls back a little bit for me I don't know I, I guess as, as the, the oldest viewer of the lot here of you guys um Growing up with it, there was that, that I think, have, knowing where it was going to end, it was going to fill in some gaps. Because like, like you guys, when I was your age, we were obsessing over the original trilogy because we didn't have the prequels yet. And when I was in college, we would watch them and watch them and watch them. And then after a while, it was like, you knew all the lines, so you're discussing like the philosophy of stuff and like stuff in the background, the special effects. And like, how did they do that? But then some of the stuff's like, we'd really start to dig into and find all those flaws. And it's like, that just is stupid. Who's going to design something that's going to have that massive a flaw in it? Oh, just hit the thermal vent and the whole thing goes up like a, like it's like building a battleship. Oh, just put a pistol right here and shoot that and the whole thing goes up in smoke. It's like, what? But like for me, 
and I, and I put it in my review, it's gonna be on the broadcaster site, like that, having that thing answered and ha- answered really well, not as a throwaway thing, but like as a central kind of plot thing, I don't know, that was super satisfying. Yeah, they definitely went above and beyond with fixing it. Like, yeah. That was the purpose. Yeah, it was very logical. It's like, oh, this is that thing he did, and he spent decades working on just to get that one thing in there. Yeah. I don't know, that was really satisfying. I did think it was really cool the way they did that. Although, with this being a standalone film, it, it feels odd to call it a standalone film because essentially it's a direct prequel to A New Hope. But, I mean, obviously no one's going to add it to the original trilogy, just a huge time gap, but it fits right in with that storyline. It's it's a standalone in like a very basic sense of like the characters aren't the same, but the story is so... It's, it's a familiar story to us. So... I'm excited for the next standalones to truly be like tell a story just totally not connected to something. Yeah, the, the title was a Star Wars story. It technically was a story, but it was part of Star Wars. Like it was exactly yeah. falling. Apart. If you think of like the main the original trilogies being like a highway, mm-hmm. this is like an on ramp yes, to it. It's exactly. like it's that starting place. You could skip ahead and you're okay. But it's like how do you weave it in somehow and have that have that work? And I think it is good for the first standalone film to have some familiar familiarity to the like Star Wars that we know but they I think in the future they should start like because think about how far back they can go with all the different Jedi and stuff so they should maybe expand a little more in the future I know they're doing Han Solo which isn't quite expanding but I think they should consider yeah. that for the other ones. It seems like they're playing it safe to start. Like yeah. if they had And you don't you can't blame them for that. Yeah. If the very and we talked about that last when we talked about um the film last year was uh The Force Awakens, the Force how it was very safe. It was like did exactly what it needed to do and not too much more. It was like hitting all the beats. But I think if they get kinda they're they keep going a little bit further and a little bit further and a little bit further and the audience keeps going with them. I think maybe after the Han Solo film, they could like kind of throw a, a, like a dart at the map and say, okay, let's do, go do something way away from the main trilogy, but yeah. still in that universe and have something really interesting. Because yeah. then, then you're like, kind of like this one, well, what's it about? Who lives and who dies? And it's like, you know, it's a truly standalone film, so maybe nobody does. Yeah. And that's, that could be interesting. Or you could, heck, you know, suddenly find the next big star and have their own yeah. like trilogy yeah. over here. Yeah, I definitely hope that's what the spin-offs do, for sure. And I mean, this spin-off, I feel um, it, it, it had the spin-off feel where it was completely new characters, new story, what was, was a new storyline, but it explored the storyline mm-hmm. very in depth. And it, it felt like it was separate from the Star Wars story, but it was still in it. But I kind of feel like the actual spin-offs, the ones that are supposed to come on later, the ones that'll take more risks, I hope they, definitely like branch out and yeah. do something that we don't know about yet totally i think the biggest thing for me that really makes this like a spin-off and why i still do consider it kind of separate from the trilogy is a it's a very different style than a type of star wars films we've seen before uh obviously there's no opening crawl there's minor things like that but in the end this is a darker darker film um i saw a review it says the first star wars movie not for kids there's nothing really that atrocious for kids in here. Yeah. Yet, every main character that you grow attached to, and spoiler once again, is dead at the end yeah. of this movie. Everyone yeah. is dead. Everyone dies. And I thought that was kind of really good. Cause, and I do love the fact that that's the ending they went with. Because 
death feels like in like the age of superhero movies, it you don't see many of the like main hero characters die that often anymore. So for all these characters to make this like heroic sacrifice in this movie, I thought like really added to like the believable feel they went with for this movie. And that's also nice with the spinoffs. Like you can take those risks. You can kill everybody because they're not the big ones that everyone looks forward to and not necessarily, but like everyone looks forward to seven or so many people look forward to seven more than they look forward to Rogue One. So Rogue One, you could take a little more risks with that, and I guess killing everybody was a good risk. Yeah, it's a big deal to like have a character that you've watched through multiple films and kill them off. That's like a, it's not just, it's a point on the plot. It's a point in this larger plot. So you have this, it's a huge, huge deal to have that, that thing happen. So what are you going to do at like, what is when you have a smaller film like this, and it's not part of a larger trilogy, what, like, what is the message of that? So you have to use in this case, multiple deaths. Yeah. It ended up feeling like a, uh, in some sense, kind of almost like an anti-war film. Yeah, I feel that for sure. I mean, like, with the trilogies, like the prequels, whatever, but the, the original trilogy, what they were war, war films. I definitely didn't feel like they established that all that well. I mean, yeah, I'd like there were some parts of it that were, and other parts was like, well, there's these characters that dip into the combat zone, but then yes. leave. Yeah, they run these, like, side missions and things. It yeah. made it... It made it a lot cheaper. Yeah, you're I mean, exactly. think about it. If you're having to build practical spaceships and use motion capture and all the old technology they did, mm-hmm. it'd be a fabulously expensive film, and they just couldn't pull it off. Yeah, so nowadays, with all that, you can't. Yeah, and, that's and it's still yeah. it's still expensive, but it would have been truly ridiculous. So, yeah, yeah. yeah, this is like a lot of the stuff online. There was the, a lot of the reviews from Washington Post, New York Times stuff. Like this is the first Star Wars war film that really kind of throws you in it and. It's like World War Two in space. I kind of, we talked about this earlier. Um, I don't know if anti-war would really be the word I would use. I think it was more like, we used the comparison of like, if you look at the Vietnam War, Vietnam War movies normally, they paint kind of like a negative light. Obviously, a lot of Vietnam yeah. War movies are anti-war. I looked at more of this of like a World War Two movie, so like a Saving Private Ryan or older self, like a Bridge Too Far of... Um, Look at what these guys have to do. You know, look at the cause they're fighting for. Like, and then the brutality of it. Right. And it's kind of like a uh, war is bad, but respect these guys who are fighting it and their, their cause. So I, didn't, I don't think anti-war is what I would, I would go with. Yeah, it's along those lines. It's, it's, it's got some of that, but then it, like, transitions, especially when um, – gosh, I can't remember the guy's name. The, the main – the one with Jin, the Saul Gero. Diego Luna. That guy's character, yeah. Um, he transitions from Cass- being Cassian. Cassian, yes. yeah. He transitions from being like this cynical, do whatever it takes to get it done kind of guy to being like, well, maybe this war thing isn't for me. To transitioning finally to, you know what? I'm all in. Let's do whatever it takes. Like, this is a rebellion. It's for freedom. I've done all these horrible things, but let me do something I can be proud of and actually live with, even if, it, even if I die doing it. And that, like, you see that in the final scenes and stuff. Like, you know, it's, I don't know, just that transition yeah. is really nice. You see that same kind of, like, growth with Jin Erso. You definitely see that just, like, changing from rebel to 
fighting with the rebels to just kind of like risking your life and yeah and, and kind of being a new uh, in a sense so i mean that's it, a little odd but she's she's kind of a new leader at least for this yes. this group within the overall thing yeah, yeah. I, I really like the uh the new characters um like we were saying uh with caspian i guess i thought his arc in the film was was great uh i did feel like Jin's at times it seemed a little too sudden um that goes on the writing. Uh, yeah, like the scene where she sees the hologram of her father and she goes from being like this, this person that they've abducted and schlepped along. And, yeah. and all of a sudden she's like, we have to do this thing, yeah. this thing. And then the other guys are like, well, hold on. Let's see about this. <laughs> yeah, she went from telling Saul Guerrero, like, oh, I don't, I don't care about the cause at all. Yeah, to being You like, abandoned yeah. me. She's to, even and more. In the same sequence, like there's no passage of time. You see it all. It, it's all in like real time in the movie. So all of a sudden she's like, She's all in. The Rebels' biggest supporter. Yeah. Yeah. There were writing things like that in the story where it seemed like they had to move it along somehow. And it almost just seems like they couldn't find a better way to do it. So they just kind of threw it at you and were like, we're moving on. Yeah. But then they would follow it up with something really cool. So I can't knock it it too hard for that. Yeah. I mean, there were parts that I felt that were boring and I kind of thought like oh my god I'm kind of bored in a Star Wars movie this isn't good but then it did do a good job of shortly after those parts where I felt that it added a cool scene like it added something that made me think okay this is a Star Wars movie it feels like one yeah so those moments you brought it up when we were talking earlier but like when they were all together in that one room having that like Congress meeting almost uh, it it gave us the prequel feel kind of like diplomatic talking and I didn't like those films I was, that, I, that's when I definitely got bored well plus you think about it logically like separate from the Star Wars film okay if you're going to have a group of people that are the leaders of anything how often are they going to let just any old Joe Schmo off the street or part of the unit in there and have their say unless they're like you need to come in and give this report on this thing like they would make this decision behind closed doors and they could have done that could have had like all those senators and stuff and all the people have that discussion, have her come in, have her say, kick her out, and then say, sorry, we're not going to do this thing. And then, like, then they could have totally had their scene. And it would have been a little more logical. Yeah, there, there, there's, like, one point in the film where... Like, what kind of military is this? <laughs> These people are just like, you have a great idea? You with the rolled gold pretzels, you've got a great idea, let's do that. And it's like, what? Yeah, How really? is this? Because you had that also with The Force Awakens, where they have the people, and, like, everybody's just standing around and just shouting out ideas. And then, well, let's just do what this new girl wants to do. That sounds good. Yeah, they brought in that like prisoner with assault charges and everything to the main rebel leader, and she literally became the the force of yeah. the rebel alliance. So. I just thought like they couldn't have done things. that like digitally at a distance or something. Keep everybody safe. Let's just like point a camera at somebody, interrogate them, get the stuff out of them, and if nothing happens, put a phaser at her head and blow her brains out or something. But it's just like, oh, we got to bring you right to this spot. I know they had to they had the set, so they might as well use it again. But it's like. Yeah, just, I don't know. It's just odd to like see those characters. Like some of them, I obviously get like Senator Bail Organa and Mon uh, Mon Matha. Mon Matha. They're exciting to see. Like just fun to mm-hmm. see again. But their actions in the movie didn't make sense to me. One of my biggest problems was at the end, they the group decides that they're going to go to the planet without the rebels' uh, consent, and yeah, they're the, going ro- to try the and, Rogue Squad who yeah, decides the they're going to do this thing. Yeah. They're going to go steal the plans anyways without the help. And then in, like, two minutes, they're like, oh, we're intercepting radio transmissions. There's 40 people attacking the base. And 10 minutes before, they said, we can't, send, we can't risk sending anyone. 
and now their entire fleet is going because yeah. 40 people decided. It just, yeah. it didn't make sense to me. It's kind of like the little stuff, though, because I feel like the big things they really do get right. I feel like you... Like, if they had said something like they were gathering the fleet, but we're not all here yet, and we won't be because people are engaged, where else? And we've got we to wait a week. Okay, then it's like, but we could launch the thing, but we've got to wait. And it's like, well, we have this small part, so we could send that. Then they could have, like, worked it out a little more logically, and it would have said, oh, okay, they hear this thing, and they're going to send in what we do have. And it's like, okay, it kind of makes some sense. Otherwise, it's like, where'd all these guys come from? Yeah. Just, I don't know, something was a little odd. I thought some other things that were odd while we're on the negatives. Um, the CGI characters, uh, they use Leia and... Um, Moff Tarkin. Moff Tarkin. I don't think they look bad. I think the technology's getting there. I think if they're just standing there totally still, there's almost like a creepy lifelikeness to it. It's just, as soon as they start talking and like you look really at the eyes and like the mouth, it just it looks... It loses, like, the true, like, human... Yeah. Like, I feel like it's almost there. Well, and they, it never took me out of the movie, but I felt like it got close to a couple well, times. Well, they were trying to do... F I looked it up. For uh, Grand Moff Tarkin. I guess he was just Governor Tarkin. But he... They had a British actor, um, Guy Henry. He's, like, a TV actor. They had him actually stand in. He did, I think he provided the voice because he sounded really close. Um, they did some voice training and then some probably some nobbling on the computer. But they had him stand in and basically be like a motion capture kind of thing. And then they CGI'd the face kind of features on him. So when you're looking at his eyes, they're not actually CGI's. It's actually his eyes. So, like, mm -hmm. some of that creepiness and some of that might just be from... And we were talking about this a little bit earlier, Dan. How, like, maybe... And we're just guessing here. Maybe because the CGI isn't perfect that maybe they did something, some filtering or something to the human actors to kind of like level between like, okay, the CGI is not quite there and the human, if you can bring the, bring the human look down and the CGI up, maybe they get close enough. Because it looked like I was watching the human guy in, in the scene there, uh, Krennic, and he, I don't know, some of that, it just looked different in that scene yeah, versus I, elsewhere. I didn't know he was CGI, Grim off. I, I didn't know yeah. before going in and... I wasn't totally distracted. I just thought his face was messed up. He yeah. actually has a My fiance face. didn't know at all. Yeah. She couldn't tell. Yeah, I could tell later. At the end of the stuff. scene, I was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. And she's like, what, what? And I was like, that was a completely CGI character. And she's like, really? <laughs> yeah. Just couldn't, t couldn't tell at all. Didn't take her out of the film at all. Yeah. That, that, I mean, with Leia, I thought about it. Like, during the scene, I wish I could just say, like, whoa, that's Leia. But I was like, yeah, that's a bit CGI. And I had that same feeling with Furious 7 when Paul Walker came in. And I was like, yeah, that doesn't look right. But I, I feel like it still did all right, though. Yeah. I mean, it still said what it had to say. So. That's probably why, like, the truly, like we were saying, the truly standalone films, I think, will be much better. Because then you don't have to worry about that at all. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like, you can just, whatever you invent, or, you know, rubber mask, or person, or whatever, you're good to go. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I also feel like the CGI characters looked pretty good, but just, like, the little mannerisms, I mean, we know them because we see people do them every day. It just didn't feel human. Like, it kind of felt robotic to me. Just yeah. some of, like, the mouth moving when Grandma was talking, and you kind of just, if you play, pay really close attention, you'll know what I'm talking about, mm -hmm. at least, I feel like. And those things, I mean, they are getting close, obviously. Really close, compared to what they were a while ago. But yeah, it's just those little things still make it seem not human. 
yeah. to me. See, I definitely don't feel like that's totally like a negative to the movie, though. That's not something I'm going to dock all my points on. Um, there's, I mean, staying on the negatives, I feel like some of the characters that they brought in weren't really developed all that well. I really liked the heavy machinery guy. I don't know their names. The heavy machinery guy and the blind guy. Yeah. Both of them were really cool. I feel like they had a really dynamic relationship and they were really good friends. But we didn't know why. We didn't know where they came from. We just found them on the side of the street. So, like, yeah, they briefly introduced them a little bit, yeah. but not too much beyond that. Yeah, we don't really know too much about them. It's tough to do with an ensemble yeah, kind of thing, exactly. and you get this like assemblage of. It was kind of like it reminded me a little bit more. I thought about it of like the old uh, '60s film, The Dirty Dozen. You have like these guys from these different units throw them together and go do this mission against the Nazis, and it was like they spend the whole film developing how these guys got together and who they are and all that, and then they finally have one little mission at the end. So it was like. Yeah. They spent a lot of acting for a little bit of action, and it's tough to do in an, basically an action film to have enough action, but then still have the time to develop that stuff and keep the plot moving, and yeah, and, and not stuff to do it right, and then kill them all off. <laughs> yeah, and especially with all new characters, like it's one thing if you get Avengers and you already know like half of their stories, yeah, or even more. They each had their own standalone film beforehand, and then you yeah. introduce them all together. Yeah, like so you. In Avengers, you know Captain America. Yeah. You know You didn't need the development. Here, you need to know everyone, pretty much. At yeah. least in the ensemble, yeah. I thought the way they did it was kind of smart, because for an ensemble movie, I feel like overall, you did kind of get to know the characters. I thought it was smart. It's almost like most of the characters had kind of a pairing. Uh, the captain, rebel, the rebel captain, mm-hmm. had his droid. Uh, obviously, the blind guy and the heavy machine guy. Jin was kind of a main character, so we followed her the most. And then that kind of leaves me with the character who I thought got kind of lost a little bit sometimes. And just even in the end when he died, I felt like he kind of got lost in like the death scenes was the, uh, the pilot. Imperial pilot who be turned. There's like really something there. Like he decided to turn because uh, I guess it was Galen Ursa or Matt yeah. Milkison character convinced him. But this is at like the time where you like you kind of join the Empire as like a soldier. And then he decided to betray them. I felt like he could have been more fleshed out. He's the one I feel like kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit, even in terms of like yeah. sequences. It like, made it seem like Galen had talked to him somehow because of something he'd done in his past, and like he ran away to join the Empire or something, like he'd murdered somebody or whatever the thing was, and there was something dark in his past that it was like Galen was saying, if you do this thing, it'll somehow make up for that. And it was like, what was that thing? Maybe it's sometimes maybe it's good just to have like those things be a question. But it could have also, like, been something to flesh out his character. Even if it was a hint, it was like, you know, there's things in my past you don't want to... Like, there's something there. And could they have. had a choice to reveal that, because they did that weird scene with, like, the, the tentacle thing that told the truth, or made him tell the truth. They yeah. could have said what he was doing, like, what his origin was. But that was just a weird scene. I just felt like he kind of seemed like the character who was like, we need him for story purposes, because... He we, helped. He we, helped yeah. get them to the to base where the Galen was. Helped them get to the get end there the and connect up all they the, have to have the communications. Smart guy who knows how to like send, beam it up. Mm-hmm. But and then I ultimately felt like that's what he kind of, kind of lost as though is oh he does some important things because he's important to the plot kind of, but you don't really know him. You just know him as oh yeah, yeah. he was important for this moment. So that was would be my biggest pick on like one of these new characters. Other than that, I thought they were all pretty enjoyable and. and I didn't even really think about that, but yeah, he he did so many important things that pilot because he like literally got Jin engaged in the whole 
rebellion at least by bringing the thing to Forrest Whitaker's the, the message, yeah. Yeah. And he like knew the imperial uh, whatever base inside and out and he helped all, with all that stuff. Yeah. So he might be one of the most important ensemble characters right. and we don't really He was hugely important to the story him. and it's almost like he's so important to the story I feel like that's why it really smacks you in the face that yeah. He's probably the least interesting to like visually character. He's we don't get a lot of like time with him. He has no one to like go off of. He isn't paired with anyone. Yeah. So I felt like he was kind of handled a little poorly for his importance to the story. But um, and on the other side of the characters, kind of a new villain, a guy we never saw before. I can't remember his name. Krennic. 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 He wears the white suit. Uh he seemed kind of generic. He's just like a big bad guy. Worked on the Death Star. Um, I made the joke. Still better than a Marvel villain. I would stand by that. Like, he has there's some motivation, some reason to hate him. Um, he's ambitious and he's trying to climb up the the, climb the imperial the ladder. ladder. Kind of like General Hux or whatever. Yeah. Um, I just think that's interesting because this is the first. I already said this to you guys, but this is the first Star Wars villain that's not that doesn't like. You like lightsaber, like he's just an ad, like main villain. That's just like a general or admiral or whatever, who doesn't uh, have yeah. force powers. He doesn't like totally do his work by himself. He lets. He had a little bit in the very first film, A New Hope, with Grand Moff Tarkin, and he was like, he was the creepy yeah. evil guy, that like could overpower things. And like, there's that one scene where he he's talking to Princess Leia as they're he's trying to get out, like the where's the location of the rebel base and just he dominates that scene and just walks her back straight into vader but then he still he's in charge of vader like somehow there's that relationship there where like everybody else he's looking down at them and just overpowering them. but with vader he's like this is what you're going to do and vader's like yes <laughs> just this is the way it's going to be i guess i felt like vader's presence in this film was just it's it was kind of funny he didn't even really need to be there and so normally in a movie like that, if I see a character and I'm like, why, why would he be here? Because he gets like two pretty big scenes. And this really gets to the heart of the movie and kind of the Star Wars of it is they can put in two scenes of a character who doesn't really have any direct impact on this movie. And yet they're two of my favorite scenes from the whole movie. I mean, he just, the last scene, he just steals the show. And he's just cutting down people. Yeah. Like that, that, that's the scene people are going to talk about forever about this movie is finally getting to see vader at the peak of his powers really do some stuff yeah. like it's just, just such monstering a cool through like like it's a video game like they're nothing because yeah. he's just that powerful and there's nobody can stand in his way somebody was saying that it looked like he wasn't just deflecting shots with his saber he was like using the force now i didn't necessarily notice it myself but he was using the force to redirect the blaster bolts back now in empire he like stops him with his hand when han sh solo shooting at him on bespin but I didn't necessarily catch because it was so fast. I didn't necessarily notice yeah, I'd like that, to see but it again. yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's one of the first times that you just see someone literally just destroy everyone in their path. Yeah, I just, I mean, he cut them down, and it wasn't even like one thing I really loved with it was like it wasn't even like they tried to make it like it, they made it look so easy for him. It's not like they made him have like this really cool fight sequence. No, he was just they standing made it there so that he could just go through people and like yeah. just destroy people. And some people will say like. Well, he was Anakin in the prequels. Like, you knew he could do that. But, like, 
to see him in the Darth yeah. Vader suit and with a red light. Like, yeah, you knew yeah. as it was as so the, good. As soon as the music came on for him and it was like dark, you just knew. It was and you could come. hear the breathing. You could hear the breathing. And it and was just, like, up, oh, you guys are all dead. <laughs> You're just all dead. It's just a matter of time. <laughs> we saw it in the big IMAX theater and it was just kind of like that thing, like, you could tell almost everyone there was like oh. hoping for it. Like yeah. the cr- the energy of that crowd was like, please, please. And the movie's approaching its end, and it's like it's not yeah. here. And then when you finally see this uh, screen light up with the lightsaber, his appearance. I'll disagree with you a little bit. I think his appearance was necessary because then, as the uh, Corvette descends and escapes, he's the one that's chasing after. So he's standing there in his star destroyer, which they will be pursuing them. Um, so they had to kind of like introduce that part of it. So like the Death Star is doing its thing and then he's got his fleet and his Star Destroyer to like link up to the next film. And it's like from the end of this film to the start of A New Hope is like what? A couple hours maybe? A day? It's tough to tell. Like the ship takes off and then he's obviously going to pursue it but then how the heck do they end up at Tatooine? It's like well this is the next system over? I don't know. They don't really explain that. I'm not going to worry about it too much, but it doesn't seem like it's too long away. Yeah, that was... And that it's not like they were running for weeks and weeks or something. That's true. Maybe, I guess you are right, because if he wasn't in it at all, people would be saying, like, okay, well then... And how? if it ended the same way, people yeah. would say, how did he... Or where did he come from? And why is he in charge all of a sudden when we didn't even see him? It also helped explain why the Death Star didn't just start blasting all the, the rebel ships out of the sky. It's like, well, what happens if they get it? Whoop-de-doo. We'll just blast them all out of the sky. Zap, 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 zap. And just take them all down. <laughs> It's like, bah, Vader will take care of that. We'll just destroy this thing on the ground. Because they didn't, they didn't, that's also, I think some people will get nitpicky. Like, why didn't Vader get after the guy with, with that thing? Well, he didn't know what that was. I mean, think about it from their point of view. They don't know that the things have been transmitted necessarily until after the fact, perhaps. And then, then he's got to, like, actually get his hands on the stuff. He just sees the thing escape once they go back through the stuff. Like, the logic of it. I like that. It kind of meets up. Mm-hmm. I feel like I when I was trying to rank the film, and I think eventually we're going to get around to that, so I'll just say where I have it. I I think I have it third right now. I think I'd have A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, and then Rogue One. Um, maybe a little high. I'll have to see it again. But right yeah. now, my initial impression, that's how much I enjoyed the movie. Although I do think it's a very nitpicky film. We said the word like, oh, we could nitpick this or nitpick that. There's a lot you could probably nitpick. Yeah, you could do it with all the films. Too. Right. And you can do that with any, and with any movie. And this, I think, it it kind of does get head-scratching tying into A New Hope a little bit. Like, why was Leia there? How, why did C-3PO and R2-D2 get on the ship that Leia was on in there? Like, there's all kinds of things in this movie that I'm going to be able to look at and go, well... A certain amount of you have to take on faith. It's right. just like, you know what? Let's just let it be as its thing. Right. And it told the story. And I think ultimately, like, that's what I'm able to do by putting out third. I enjoyed this experiment so much. To see some of these characters, to have this story told, to have the action sequences, the special effects are outstanding. Just to have this Star Wars movie at this time, I feel like it, it, it's a movie for the fans, I feel like. I feel yeah. like there's movie people who maybe aren't Star Wars fans could be able to pick this apart and be, well, Star Wars is silly, and once again... Star Wars is still silly. This doesn't change anything. I think they're probably right. But in terms of just, like, fan moments, I, I just loved this movie. I think when you're... When you get that... When you're critiquing a movie and most of the things you come up with are nitpicks, that means it's a good movie overall. Yeah. That means there's more good outweighing the bad. 
And this movie was mostly nitpicks, which is why I liked it, because yeah. it did most of the things right. So, are we ranking them now? Yeah, I'd go All right. for it. So, I would put this fifth behind three or four through seven. Just like, the, no particular order for the first four. But I, I do think this is fifth because there were a couple boring moments, and like especially behind Force Awakens, because Force Awakens, I feel like I could watch so many times and still be still have fun with it like there are so many fun moments in that this movie definitely has fun moments don't get me wrong but there were was a lot of like explaining moments which it had to do but did feel a little dull to me and some of those just like well why did that happen moments or like those quick transitions which force awakens also had but i guess i just had more fun with force awakens overall which is why this would be behind that and the the original trilogies, yeah, that's close to perfect, so that's why it's also behind that. Yeah, I mean, this is where it gets kind of tough for us, because, I mean, like, you've, you've seen all of them, most of them in theaters. Uh, these are the first two that we've legitimately seen in theaters, and we've made a big event out of it, Star Wars 7 and Star Wars uh, Rogue One. And I, I feel like that helped our views on it. I think we, we all like 7 and Rogue One very much. I, I just don't know how we'll see in the next couple of years if once we see more that'll compare to it uh, with this day's and age technology and stuff, how to compare. But I, I would, right now I'd put it in front of seven for sure, and I'd put that third in my list as well. I have a quick question for um, Mr. Sterner. Mm -hmm. So what I've heard is that when the prequels came out, most of the people liked them. Did you think that was true, or did you kind of notice right away, like, this has some problems? Okay, let's say if we were going to do a podcast back in 1999 or 2001 or whatever it was when they came out. Um, the, first, the first one was pretty weak. It was very disappointing. Like, we spent a lot of time waiting for this. But there were still some people, like, if you were the right age and this is one of your first Star Wars films, it was like you're the perfect age. If you were, like, seven or eight, it was like, oh, this thing is amazing because you get to see Jedi doing Jedi stuff. Mm -hmm. And you didn't really nitpick about plot stuff that didn't make sense and that kind of stuff. Where like, you know, growing up with Star Wars, by the time those things came out, I was already in, almost into my 30s and stuff. So it was like God, really disappointing. Like I don't own The Phantom Menace. I don't ever want to watch it again. It's that bad. Like <laughs> I own all the rest of them. Um, I really liked... Um, what was the second one there? Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. I like some parts of that were really cool. Some of the shots, even though they were really CGI, were really interesting. Some of the battles and stuff on Geonosis were pretty cool. Like I like the idea of that. If they used today's technology to do that, could have been better. But there's also like just plot stuff that's wrong with that. Yeah. And in the third film, the um, the Revenge of the Sith. Revenge of the Sith. That's what the whole the prequel should have been. Take that film and stretch it out over three films. How does he go from being, and it was also Hayden Christensen, so there's problems with that, but how do you go from being <laughs> a, the star wunderkind Jedi to transitioning to being the kill-all-everything Jedi, you know, dark side kind of guy? And having that happen in the span of like 20 minutes in the middle of that film is like we were saying with like this one, was one scene was a two abrupt. That, oh my gosh, it could have been so cool if that's like spread out. It's not one thing that does it. It's multiple things, little things. They add up over this, over that, over this. And you see his obsession grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And it starts off as like such a little, it's a little off comment. I'll do anything to protect you, Padme. Anything, whatever it takes. You know, you're my girl. And like that's what any guy would say to his girl. 
and it grows and grows, and it could have been so cool. Yeah. It would have been more acting, so it would have been <laughs> been different. It was a totally different film, but they could have had like all those missions those guys went on and stuff. I don't know. That's just my two cents. Mm-hmm. So for ranking purposes for this one, Empire Strikes Back still my number one because I like, even when I was younger, I like the idea that not everything turns out perfectly, that things go badly, that sometimes you lose and you keep fighting. We're like World War II, Battle of Britain. They got, you know, or like uh, Dunkirk that's coming out this summer. You get your butt kicked, you get back up, and you keep fighting. If it's something you believe in, that's what you keep doing. So Empire, they got freaking hammered. Battle of Hoth just destroyed. And what do they do? Turn around, try to get things going in the next film. So I like that. So Empire's first. I still like A New Hope. It's pretty close between that and this one, I hate to say. But that's my initial impression. It may change the next time I see it. Because I like, and even going into it, Dan and I talked about this, because it is a standalone, you can kill anybody off. I knew going into it, and I was actually hoping that's what they were going to do. Not because I wanted to see them all die, but because it would make for a more interesting story. That you're like, this is war, and in war people die. Not just people, but anybody. I don't care if it's the here, you get James Bond film. What happens at the end of a James Bond film? James Bond gets the girl, or he goes off into the sunset, or whatever. You know he's going to live. Born films, same thing. Avengers, it's really tough to kill off. You're not going to have, maybe the very last time you see Iron Man will be the last time you see Iron Man because they'll kill him off. But So I would do those there. Force Awakens pretty cool, but the the cliffhanger still is kind of a you know swift kick in the, and then you know what. I'm still, I, I got to see how that plays out to say like yeah. maybe it works. Um, the prequels are still at the bottom of the list for me. Oh yeah. I think Zach definitely hits yeah. on something. Seeing the movies in theaters is a huge deal. I think the reason it really hits why it makes so much sense to me is um, he mentioned the two movies. I remember seeing uh, episode three in theaters, and I'll still defend that movie tooth and nail as being, like, mostly entertaining. I still really enjoy that movie. People it's people love to say, I hate the prequels, and I'm always the guy, like, yeah, but not episode three, right? Like, there's some really cool stuff in there. It's I not feel that like- I hate it. I'm disappointed because the third one had enough good stuff that if they had done and spread it out a little bit more. Oh, I, I agree with that. The third one could have been like a masterpiece. Oh, like yeah. the, the prequels should have been masterpieces. They could have been. But we have what we have. Yeah. I think that movie, for what it is, I think that's the one that's kind of watchable still. I think you can watch it and be like, I can find enjoyable parts. Not to get off on that movie. <laughs> but I feel like seeing the movies in theater, especially for like younger people, it's a big deal. Like, obviously, these are, like, huge event films. Yeah. Um, and I think the experience is different. Like, yeah. you're, it's the, the sound of it and then the movement of the special effects. And then when you do have a fight scene, that's why you have, like, um, The Force Awakens and you do have the lightsaber fight there at the end of the film. I mean, like, it's right there. Like, you're watching, if you're watching it like we did in the 3D IMAX, like, you're on top of things. You're right there in the woods as they're going at it and it's just brutal so that's part of the experience i think watching some of those things at home just changes the experience because it's you know small screen and everything one thing i would say kind of a closing point here like i think what you're kind of hinting at with uh going to were these movies initially disappointing is this a movie where we're going to right now we're still caught up in uh the hammerhead corvette blowing up two two cruisers and darth vader coming in at the end and just killing everyone 
are we so caught up in that right now that like there's probably a glaring issue with this movie that we're missing? I don't think we're going to ever find that problem. I don't think, you know, in a year from now we're going to watch this and go, oh, my God, how did we miss it? And I'm going to be, you know, here, you know, eating every word saying, mm-hmm. oh, I hated it. Because, you know, um, I think when you look at it is we do go, we've nitpicked it so far. And I think there aren't really going to be a bunch of places where you can find huge problems with the story or something, like, devastating to the plot. Because, like we said, it's already kind of building on familiar ground. The plot of this movie, it's almost thin. Like, it, it's, they do it really smart, so it never really appears too thin. But essentially, it's uh, an engineer who had built a secret hole in the Death Star, which at least they address it. I feel like it's really nice that they throw it in there for the fans, and they're like, yeah, we know it was a problem. Is it still totally convincing that no one noticed? I, I don't know, but at least they say it. They address it. It's supposed to be fixed. I like it. But that's the story, is he builds the p- problem, and then they go and steal the plans. So I don't think, like, people can nitpick it all they want, but I don't think you're going to find anything, like, crippling to this story, where, like, you go back to Attack of the Clones, and you're like, well, Anakin and Padme falling in love was just, like, creepy. Like, he goes from stalking her, kind of, and, like, and then they fall in love because they, like, roll in the grass. There's nothing <laughs> as bad as that in this movie. There's, there's nothing as bad where it's just we're going to look back and go, wow, that was really awful. I just I don't see that happening to that movie, so. Yeah, and it, um, I guess with the whole, like, putting the hole in it, they did do a good job like they did do that in a smart way I feel like and introduced these new characters and made them essential to the Death Star and A New Hope like I just felt like that was a really smart and good way of doing that and it created an entertaining movie overall definitely entertaining it was, it's probably one I'd see again maybe not in theaters but definitely one I'd see again yeah the last one I uh I had already had tickets like twice and like watched it on Thursday, watched it on Friday. This one, I mean, I'll go see it again for sure, but not straight away. I don't have to. It doesn't feel like yeah, I have the urge. I agree. You know, like the last one, because I know it's part of a trilogy and it's going to go on. I wanted to like, I really wanted to get into the plot details so I could like, okay, memorize it and kind of like, okay, and start, the, I mean, I got two years. So I get, you know, from the last one, it's like, okay, what, how is this going to go? Are there things, are there details? And they introduce Snoke and all that. It's like, where is this going? I want to, I'm a, is there, it's like a big puzzle, but we don't have all the pieces. So, so yeah. yeah, the last thing I want to hit on here today, um, we did this in the last episode. I think we'll probably do it in every episode. It's a good idea. Obviously, movies are subjective. Not everyone's going to like everything. Who is this new Star Wars movie for? Um, is it going to be able to pull in any new fans? Well, obviously young kids, but is, is there something here for people who maybe have seen Star Wars, aren't crazy about it, that's going to change their mind, at least about this movie, and say, well, yeah, that was a good Star Wars movie. I don't really care for the others. Yeah, I definitely feel like this could be the stepping stone for people that maybe started late in Star Wars and feel like maybe they're behind where they can get into Star Wars and finally maybe get like a step up to get going on the original trilogy yeah it definitely leads I know some up. people that only saw the prequels and then they saw Force Awakens and like they haven't seen the originals so it's like well this could be your lead into that or if you haven't watched any of them of any I know if you've not watched any of them many of them this could be your start for the whole the whole sequence or it could just stand alone it could be just fun on its own I good guess, action film I guess when I kind of think of that I think of like so my dad's not the biggest Star Wars fan and he just likes good movies he doesn't care about all the like little things 
And I feel like if he watched it, he wouldn't love it. Like, I feel like he would be confused at all the who these different people are, which I guess for any Star Wars movie. So you do kind of have to be interested in an ensemble movie or like wanting to know more like actually try and be engaged into it because there are a lot of plot points that kind of go around so if you're just trying to watch a fun movie with things where things kill each other look for Transformers but this you kind of have to look for like a smarter you have to be a little smarter and engaged and kind of want to know more about the characters All right. well I'd like to thank uh, Mr. Sterner Zach and Campbell for coming in today thank Um, thank you Always good time having you guys in. Uh, we're going to be back with another episode of the Cinema Club sometime here soon. We're thinking about doing a retro-style movie, um, and then shortly after that we'll have the Oscars. Uh, we're working on trying to get some different guests to come in. We'll be able to bring in a couple people. Um, hopefully this will become a more frequent thing. Uh, thank you for listening. Make sure to check out the Broadcaster website, our Twitter, Instagram, and be sure to look for our reviews on the uh, Rogue One and it goes on the broadcaster website.